today, we will turn to Matthew chapter 23, verses 34 to 35. Therefore, I am sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will, you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Zechariah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all this will come on this generation. And then Hebrews chapter 11, 4. Hebrews chapter 11, 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. And then Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So, God is the righteous one. God is the righteous one. God is the righteous one. And we are continuing to speak of righteousness because what is the theme this year? It's for his kingdom and his righteousness. So, today I will speak of righteousness. His character is righteous, and his actions are righteous. There is nothing that is unrighteous in him. So his words are also righteous. And by his blood and by his actions, he proved his righteousness. That he proved his righteousness through his blood and actions. So our faith is believing in Jesus and being justified, uh, becoming righteous. So I have been made righteous. I am a righteous one. Do you believe that? Amen. Hallelujah. So without any uh, good works of our own, we have become righteous by faith. And the life of uh, the life of faith for such people is testifying uh, the works of Jesus, even if put to death. So there have been many who suffered and were persecuted because of their testimony of Jesus. So today we will hear of the righteous blood or the blood of the righteous. So let us say blood. So when you say blood, you may shudder a little. So even when kids uh, they have a fist fight and they're pushing each other out, but uh, when they see blood, they start crying instinctively. And as when you see blood, you know that blood equals death. So when we don't see it, it doesn't seem that important. But when we see when we see blood, it, uh, because it indicates life and death, we become afraid. So when people show their resolve or determination, they show blood. So there is a saying in Korean um, that, that is, I will show blood. Or in old times, they used to write uh, words in blood to show their strong resolve or determination. And it was to indicate that they will not back down from their determination by showing blood and writing. So blood can be uh, quite shocking. But of all the physical things in the world, there's nothing more shocking and uh, that gives as much shock than blood. Knives, knives are scary because if you're stabbed, you will bleed. So anyhow, it has to do with blood. And also, uh, there were samurais who carried two swords, a long sword and also a short knife. Um, so two, uh, he would carry around. So the long one was at the waist and when fighting enemies, they used a long sword. But if uh, they lost uh, and were shamefully defeated, they used the short knife to kill themselves. 
and uh, it's called harakiri, which is a form of Japanese spiritual suicide. Uh, and in J Japanese culture, uh, they committed suicide by cutting their stomachs open to show uh, they would rather die with dignity. The Bible uh, speaks of the blood of God, the blood of God. The righteousness of God, it speaks of the blood of God. Because by blood, he made covenant, and by blood, he fulfilled it. So this covenant he made by blood, he fulfilled it by blood. So from the beginning to the end, the Bible is written regarding the blood of God. Today we heard of Abel, that Abel brought God a better offering than Cain, and he was commended as righteous. So who was Abel? Uh, Genesis chapter 4 tells the story of Cain and Abel. So uh, we can't say who was Abel, because it says it there. And I'm sure we read that all. Uh, so he was Cain's younger brother. Adam had two sons, and the first was Cain, and the second was Abel. And so it says they gave an offering to God. And because Cain worked the field, he gave his offering from his harvest. But God did not receive his offering. And as Abel took care of the flocks, he gave a lamb as an offering, which means uh, he poured out the blood and gave it as an offering. And when God received the blood and offering, he regarded Abel as righteous. So God received the offering given by blood and Abel was regarded as righteous. And when Cain saw his offering was not received, uh, because out of jealousy he killed Abel and covered him in the earth. And it didn't end there. Shortly after, the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? And I, he said, I don't know. He replied, Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Even though you killed and buried him, that blood lives and cries out to me. So Cain had no excuses, and the rest of the story explains what happened to Cain and uh, him being driven out. So from the beginning of the history of mankind, there was blood that was shed, and this determines the righteous from the unrighteous. And as time passed in Genesis chapter 3, uh, God, uh, so Adam, it describes Adam who was deceived by the devil and disobeyed the command of God and therefore was cast out of the Garden of Eden. So as he was cast out, he wasn't banished naked, but God put on him what? What did he put on him? Uh, he put on him clothes made from animal skins. Or, which means uh, the animal needs to be killed, it needs to shed blood uh, to use their skins as garments. This meant that when God calls mankind again to him, there will be an event of bloodshed. And it was a foreshadow of what will happen when God calls the people to him again. So there will be bloodshed where he clothes them with new garments of skin. And uh, so God uh, called Abraham and said, I will be your God and that of your descendants. That I will be your God and that of your descendants. So God called Abraham and made a covenant uh, of circumcision. So uh, it was by circumcision um, where they have to cut the flesh and blood. Um, so uh, in Korean, it sounds like sheepskin, but uh, it's not what that means. It's um, but it's um, circumcision where you have to cut the flesh, 
and uh, blood is shed. So only those who shed blood uh, will God have covenant with and become uh, their God. And if they did not have circumcision, then they were cut off from the people. So God promised and made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants by blood. Blood. So the Bible is a written record of how God's covenant was fulfilled. So you may think it's boring and it has no relation to you, but this is the story of blood, the history of blood. And if you keep that in mind, then it's quite interesting. So later, the Israelites were uh, enslaved for over 400 years, and God, he let them out. He set them free from Egypt. And as he set them free, he sent Moses and commanded them on the day they were liberated from Egypt that there was a regulation uh, that they were to follow the night of their liberation, which was that every household would have to slaughter a lamb and take some of its blood and put it on the door frames. So it is called the Passover night, the Passover. The Passover means to pass over. So when the angel of God goes into each house to kill the firstborn of that household, if there is blood, then the angel would pass over it. That the angel of death would pass over the houses which had the blood. And because God had them put the blood of the lamb on their door frames, overnight they were saved and set free from Egypt. And it because they showed blood. The houses that had the blood were not put to death and they were saved and this showed the covenant God made with them. So they were liberated from Egypt and came out and for them to not forget this, they were instructed to build a tabernacle. The tabernacle, which is a place where they were to give sacrifice and so they were to celebrate the Passover where they remembered their ancestors showed blood on the door frames. So God spared them and liberated them from Egypt that God surely kept his promise. So in order for them to not forget this, they were to um, uh, give sacrifice. And um, so they would celebrate the Passover and give many offerings uh, like guilt offerings as well. God called the Israelites a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of priests. So many other religions give sacrifices uh, to their gods and offer all types of foods and pray for such things like uh, for their children to have good health, good future, and for them to be blessed and prosperous. And so they give sacrifices and offerings to be blessed for that. But the Israelites gave sacrificial offerings that began with the blood on the door frames to be saved. The beginning of their faith began with blood, and with that blood, death passed over. And the function of the tabernacle was for them to remember the covenant that God had made with blood. So God also commanded them to give sacrifices for atonement. So they were to kill a sacrifice, and with its blood, the high priest would enter the tabernacle behind the curtains and uh, and uh, before the ark he would sprinkle the blood and come out so all the blood shed from the sacrifice would be poured out and even the high priest would give a sacrifice offering for their own sins as well as the people so they would sprinkle it in the most holy place and blood would be sprinkled uh, in the tabernacle. So they would sprinkle this blood. So the sacrifice is started and ended with blood. 
they would bring an animal, kill it, and pour out its blood, and take the blood into the holy place. Blood would be sprinkled, and when they came out, the rest of the blood would be poured out. So the sacrifice would start with blood and end with blood. So how did it start and end? It was with blood. However, this became habitual for them, and they no longer did it with sincerity. But they did it with hypocrisy and without sincere hearts. And because of that, they were punished and cursed. So when they would go to battle, they would lose, and the Israelites, um, uh, uh, they started to mix with other nations and Gentiles and forgot uh, the offerings they were to give and uh, the blood. And so therefore, curses uh, were endless. And But when, then the one who would save them finally appeared. Yeshua, he appeared. And what did he say? He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. So the temple had the function where they gave sacrifice of blood because the covenant God had start, made started with blood and would end with blood. The tabernacle was where they gave sacrifices starting with blood and ending with blood. But they didn't do it with sincerity and only out of formality. But Jesus said to destroy the temple as the temple became a uh, burden and sacrifices of formality. But when Jesus said such things, they were appalled as God said blood needs to be shed for death and cursed to pass over. So this was instilled in their mind, so uh, they felt uh, worried, concerned. Jesus said to destroy the temple where God's name was, so they were uh, very uh, upset and very angry. And he not only said to destroy the temple, but that he would raise it in three days. Jesus said to destroy what? Destroy the temple. It, where, what was the temple? It was a place to give sacrifices of blood. It's a place where you gave sacrifice of blood, and if they gave sacrifice according to the commands and the ways instructed, they would have uh, longevity, and um, they would prosper, and they would receive many blessings. So these were the regulations regarding the flesh. In order for them to keep the blessings of the flesh, they were to keep the law. But Jesus was proclaiming the era where they kept the laws for the flesh had ended. Now he has come. The Son of God. Who has come? The Son of God. The Son of God. The Word became flesh and God became flesh. So God came in the flesh and the spirit came in flesh and he is the son of God. He said, now I will make a covenant with my blood. This covenant I make, I will surely keep. This covenant made by blood until um, I take you up again, I will surely fulfill this covenant. So this is what he meant. So the blood of Jesus is whose blood? It is the blood of God. The blood of God. The blood of Jesus. The Word became flesh. God became flesh. The Spirit became flesh. What that means is that the covenant that God created by blood, He will fulfill it by the blood. So the blood of God. God came in the flesh, God in blood. By showing his blood and pouring out his blood, he will fulfill this covenant. And that's why Jesus said this. So Jesus, the words of Jesus are the words of truth. Now I speak to your souls. The words of Jesus are the words of the Father. It is the words of truth. 
So Jesus made covenant by the words of truth and the blood of the Son, the blood of God, and he will pour it where? In the past, they poured the blood in the most holy place, but the Son of God will sprinkle it into our souls, the souls of all nations. This was not just a simple utterance that Jesus said, but it was an unbelievable thing that Jesus was saying. For they tried to keep the law for thousands of years. And so the, his statement was as if he took the temple and broke it apart. And therefore they thought he was well deserving of death. So Jesus said he would sprinkle the blood into their souls, meaning he would regard the soul as his throne and sprinkle it. So when the high priest goes into the tabernacle, he would go to the most holy place. So most priests would enter the tabernacle, but the high priest would enter into the most holy place and sprinkle blood before the ark and throne. So when Jesus said he would sprinkle his blood, he is saying he's regarding our souls as his throne and he would sprinkle his blood into it. So when we receive his blood, we will have forgiveness of sins and we can go to where the Father is and have eternal life. And Jesus said to his disciples, drink my blood, drink my blood. When some people hear this, they, uh, they question, are we cannibals? According to the law, we don't even eat pigs and certain animals. Though there was a severe famine, they did not eat such things. But this man is now saying, drink my blood. And um, they uh, could not understand uh, what he was saying. They thought he was absurd. But the blood he spoke of is the spiritual and true drink for our spirit. The true drink. We have to eat and drink to survive. But for our souls to live, Jesus said, receive my blood and drink it. We have to drink his blood to receive the forgiveness of sins, uh, to be regarded as righteous and enter eternal life. The Jews could not tolerate what Jesus was saying. Though they gave sacrifices by blood, what Jesus was saying was something that was unwelcoming. Uh, and so for Jesus, what Jesus said, for he only spoke of the blood, and so they could not understand or receive it. So they despised uh, Jesus and the words that he spoke. And therefore, they were looking for ways to catch Jesus and to trap and arrest him. And one of his disciples betrayed him, and he was handed over to Pilate. So uh, Pilate, he questioned Jesus, but he could not find anything wrong that Jesus did. And he concluded that they were trying to kill him out of jealousy. It was the day before the Passover, and after uh, these people gave Jesus over, he was arrested and waiting for his judgment. So they took Jesus to the palace of the Roman governor, Pilate. And during uh, this time of the Passover festival, it was their custom to set free a criminal um, according to their ways. So there was Barabbas and there was Jesus. And um, he said, which of the two do you want me to release to you? So Pilate asked, um, and, but they shouted back, uh, no, not him, give us Barabbas. And they all simultaneously shouted to give them Barabbas, who was a famous and well-known criminal. Pilate thought, of course, they would say to let Jesus go because Barabbas was an infamous criminal. But instead, they said, give us Barabbas. So the, the Jewish people are known as being very hardened people. And it's perhaps because of this that they were able to keep the law and um, bargain relentlessly. And that's why even now they are so well off financially. So at the time, they were relentless in demanding for Barabbas' release. So Pilate 
questioned what he should do with Jesus. And what did they say? They shouted, crucify him. They said, crucify him. So the cross was a tool to kill criminals and to kill how? By shedding out their blood. For not even one drop of blood is left, but everything is poured out. Now that is the death on the cross. So even though Pilate tried to set Jesus free, if he didn't hand Jesus over, uh, he thought that a riot would start. And the night before, his wife had a dream and uh, sent him this message, don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. And because what if we are punished for it? And though his wife told him this, because the Jewish people were going crazy, Pilate couldn't do anything but crucify him according to their wishes. But Pilate said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. So in other words, if there is punishment regarding this shed blood, you will, re you will receive the punishment. And all the people, they answered, Give, his blood is on us and our children. His blood is on us and on our children. Let us receive the punishment of that blood on us and our children. Let it fall on our heads. Afterwards, why did the Jews become targets of persecution and hardship and destruction? even the Holocaust. Why? It was fulfilled as they spoke. There's a saying that what you say will be fulfilled. So that, so what they said was surely fulfilled. So Jesus was handed over to death and he died. As he died, he said, it is finished. So he hung on the cross for six hours without leaving even a drop of blood and water he poured out everything he poured out his blood so the blood shed at that time drop by drop slowly he completely poured it all out and the reason he said it is finished is that he did according to the command of the father the first covenant the Father set by the blood. Jesus said, I have fulfilled it. So the covenant set by blood was made by blood and the Son fulfilled it and said, it is finished. He said, Father receive my spirit and the Father received his spirit. The Father raised him back to life and everything was fulfilled according to his plan where he resurrected and ascended to heaven. And also through his death, the devil was condemned and judged because the devil brought death to all mankind by bringing sin and he is the one in authority of sin and death. And through his death, Jesus condemned the devil. Hallelujah. And through his death, he also redeemed the sins of all mankind. Jesus set all mankind free from the price of the punishment of sin, uh, from death. And this sprinkled blood, why do we say it is sprinkled? The sprinkled blood, why is it the sprinkled blood? Because he dripped drop by drop drops of his blood of life, so we say his sprinkled blood. And when he poured out his sprinkled blood, he desired for that blood to be received into the souls of all mankind. If we have received that blood by faith, then that blood will forgive us of our sins. There will be forgiveness of sins and we will be considered righteous. We will be made righteous. 
Say amen if you have the blood of Jesus in your soul. If you have his blood, say amen. So Jesus fulfilled this and he died. And after three days, he resurrected. So all mankind has his blood, but the has blood, but the one who didn't have blood, he rose and walked around and lived. And that is the resurrection of Jesus. So in the resurrected body of Jesus, there is no more blood because it's a different body. Can someone without blood live? They can't. If we don't have blood, we die. Even if we bleed a little, we cry. But Jesus' body uh, was the Word who became flesh, God who became flesh, the Spirit who became flesh. So his blood is spiritual, spiritual blood. And he sprinkled it on the souls and he resurrected. And with the body that no longer has his blood, he ascended to heaven and sits on the throne. Hallelujah. So who is the one who is always seated on the throne? It is the Lamb, the Lamb, Jesus Christ. He sits on the throne. He is the king who sits on the throne. And what kind of king is he? He is the righteous king, the king of kings. After God raised him, God said he is the righteous one of all, and he is the king of kings. And God called him the king of kings, the righteous king. Jesus, who sits on the throne, his body bears the marks of being slain. So when we say the lamb who has the marks of being slain, he ha it indicates that he has the marks of the nails on his hands and the being pierced on his side. He is a lamb with the marks of being slain. His marks are marks of what? Marks of what? It is the marks that show that he poured out his blood and died. Amen. So the one who has the marks of being slain as the righteous king, he is reigning as the righteous king. Amen. And not only that, his body is spiritual and his body is spiritual and his blood is spiritual. Just like his marks are eternal, even now his blood is being poured out. Can we see it with our eyes? Do you see it? Do you see it? We can't as it's spiritual, but in Revelation 22.1, it says, uh, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb as the river of the water of life. So that is the blood of Jesus, and it's flowing even to this day. And the one who brings it is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So after Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. And as soon as he came, there were the believers who were gathered there. As they were praying, they started speaking new tongues according to the Holy Spirit. They started speaking new tongues according to the Holy Spirit. So they started speaking the spiritual communication with God through tongues that the Holy Spirit gave. But the one who received the Holy Spirit, the words they now speak is through new tongues, through the Holy Spirit. And they testify about who? They now testify that Jesus Christ is living. Hallelujah. According to the words the Holy Spirit gave, they speak. Now going back to Abel in Matthew chapter 23, verse 35. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. So the blood of Abel the righteous blood, the blood of Abel is the righteous blood. While it says from the blood of righteous Abel, but is that blood of Abel 100% righteous? Is Abel a righteous one? It says his blood is righteous, that God regarded him as righteous for the offering of blood. 
but Abel wasn't descendant of Adam, so he is not righteous. But it says here he died being acknowledged by God. It says his blood is righteous blood, but this was a foreshadowing of the true blood. Hebrews chapter 11, 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. So here as well, Abel brought a better offering, a better offering. It wasn't an offering of brains, but he, he was righteous by the offering of blood. And then Hebrews chapter 12, 24. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So the blood of Abel, it's the blood of the righteous. He was considered as righteous, but his blood was not righteous. Now the blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel is the blood of Yeshua. That is the spiritual blood that does not ha have any spot or blemish. And with that blood, he speaks a better word. The sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he testifies that the blood of Jesus is in you. Say amen if you have the blood of Jesus. And if you have truly experienced receiving the Holy Spirit and you have faith, say amen. If so, what will the Holy Spirit see in you? What will he see in your spirit? He will see the blood of Jesus in you and testify. Those who did not receive the Holy Spirit might believe but might not have the confidence and may doubt. But if you have surely received the Holy Spirit, if you have spoken in tongues according to the Holy Spirit, then you can testify you have the blood of Jesus, and it is the blood that speaks a better word than Abel. The blood of Jesus is incomparable to that of animals or of people, as it is the blood that God fully acknowledges. It is righteous blood. If you have this righteous blood in you, the perfect blood, then you have the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And if you have this blood, then the Holy Spirit will make you speak. Hallelujah. So do you understand? So the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, that blood is in us. So we are completely different. The blood of animals, the blood of God, we are completely different as that the blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So what does it speak? So no one witnessed Abel's death and he was buried in the earth. But it says that he cried out to God, that he cried out what did he cry out it it doesn't say exactly what he cried out but later on it says the blood of jesus christ speaks a better word than the blood of abel so what might have abel cried out so the blood likely cried out i have died unjustly suffering injustice the blood cried out to god avenge me that is what it likely cried out. So it was likely about revenge, about avenging him. So God said, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of the prophet Zechariah. So all those people in the Old Testament, the blood they shed of those people who died unjustly, God, it says you will receive the punishment for that, that there will be vengeance. And what did Pilate say? He's said, I am innocent of this man's blood. And the Jews said, may it fall on our heads. So the blood of Abel is the blood of vengeance. It is the blood of vengeance. But what's the blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, the sprinkled blood? It is the blood of Jesus. It is not a vengeance 
For when he died, he said, Forgive them of their sins. Therefore they do not know what they do. Forgive them. So the blood of Jesus is incomparable to the blood of Abel or of anyone else. It is the blood of God, and it is the righteous blood of God. And through the testimony of that blood, he desires for even one more soul to hear and repent and be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. Say amen if you have the blood in you. So this is surely amazing. We don't know how many drops fell from the cross 2,000 years ago. Drop by drop, all that suffering, the blood that shed through that suffering, it doesn't say where it went. But today, after 2,000 years, those who receive the name of Jesus, who receive the blood of Jesus, one drop, has fallen into you. Say, I have the blood of Jesus. This isn't just any event that occurred, but the blood of Jesus, the blood that fell from the cross is in our souls. And that blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. That sprinkled blood, one drop, that one drop is in our souls. And the Holy Spirit allows us to know this. The Holy Spirit allows us to experience this. The fact that the blood is in us, it's greater than the heavens and earth and anything in it. There are many things that have happened on this earth, but this is much greater than any of it. After he shed the blood with the covenant that God made with the Israelites, they suffered so much punishment and hardship due to that. Even to this day, it continues. But if you have the blood of Jesus in you, then if we have the sprinkled blood, shouldn't we live worthy of that blood? And by the blood, we enter the most holy place. Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So it is the most holy place where you serve God. On the Lord's day, the day we serve God. On the Lord's day, we come to church. The qualification to come to church to serve Him and worship Him, it's by His blood alone. Even when we praise, it has to contain the blood of Jesus. And when we pray, it should contain the blood of Jesus. The sermon must contain the blood of Jesus. We cannot be sleeping all we want and lack preparation and just barely arrive on time. If we come in such way, I'm sorry, but he does not receive such service. If you hear words like this and you aren't guilty and contrite, then you don't have the blood of Jesus. You do not have his blood. If you have the Holy Spirit, it wouldn't be this way. And his throne is the throne of grace. So before the throne that gives us help during times of need. So when we go before the throne, he will help us. No matter the difficulties, when we ask for his help he, and cry out, he will help us. For that throne is merciful it is a merciful throne where he tore his flesh and poured out his blood and gave the forgiveness of sins and that merciful throne we have to cry out before it and confess the sins we've committed throughout the week and also the ones we which we can't remember sincerely with our hearts if we confess and repent he will give us forgiveness of sins and will save us from all unrighteousness. Only those who have his blood and go with his blood, he will forgive their sins and save them from wicked habits as well. Only such people at their last moment, even though their flesh is ending, can say, receive my spirit and can say so confidently. 
So when we die at that last moment, we don't say, I didn't do this or that for my children. I'm sorry, that is all rubbish. We can only say one thing, like Stefan said, receive my spirit. Receive my spirit by my actions. There's nothing that I did except for mistakes and sins and unrighteousness, but only by putting on the blood of Jesus, receive my spirit. So only those who know the value of his blood and can put on the blood of Jesus and commit their spirit. Amen. So I say this daily, and I always say before you go to sleep, even if you die in your sleep and don't wake up the next morning, say, receive my spirit. By what? By putting on the blood of Jesus. I give my soul to you. Receive my spirit. Receive. No matter the sin you have committed, it does not matter. So when we are contrite and shameful, and regretful of our sins and we confess and repent of it, he will receive us. He will forgive us because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. And third, what we need to do is forgive them of their sins. If you have the blood of Jesus in you, there is no one you cannot forgive. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, forgive them of their sins. The words Jesus spoke, he said, forgive them. Jesus died on the cross, pouring out his blood. And if we can't forgive our brother's sins, he will hear our prayers. In Matthew chapter 6, 14, just as we forgive our debtors, forgive our transgressions. And then... It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So if I forgive others when they sin against me, the Father will forgive me as well. And however, others may misunderstand what this means. But it's as I've forgiven others of their sins, Father, forgive my sins. In other words, if we keep a resentful heart and we do not forgive them, then God will not forgive us. That is the character of the blood. Amen. So if you have the blood of Jesus, say amen. There should be no one who holds resentment in their hearts. There should not be anyone we cannot forgive. That we should not have any resentment or grudge in our hearts. Amen. There should be no one we cannot who can't receive our forgiveness. So even if you meet someone and they may might have said something wrong to you, you have to confess to them before the sun goes down and say to them, there is no one I cannot forgive. Receive my spirit and forgive them. This is what we ought to do. And this is the principle of the blood, the rule. So such a person becomes a witness of the blood of Jesus. So the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. That speaks a better word. We said the blood of Abel cried out, avenge me. His blood, his cry was of revenge. But those who believe in Jesus Christ, in the blood of Jesus, say, forgive them of their sins. And that is a sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So we are those who proclaim the gospel. And what is the gospel? It is proclaiming the works of Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus Christ? He is the sinless God. And he died on the cross, atoning for our sins. By letting others know of this, we proclaim the gospel to receive the forgiveness of sins. So the gospel we preach is the gospel of forgiveness. The gospel of the forgiveness of sins, the gospel of blood. In 
and it is the sound of the righteous. It is the sound of the righteous one who speaks even after death. It is the sound of the blood who speaks even after death. It has the power to speak even after death. So while alive, we, the work we must do is speak the sound that contains the blood of Jesus. That even after our death, the sound of this blood will continue through our disciples and their disciples and their disciples. It continues. So the gospel of this blood. So is the blood of Jesus truly in you? Or do you understand this as just some formula and are just memorizing it? Do you truly believe you have the blood of Jesus in you? Then raise your hand. Why can't you raise your hand? It is the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Because we have not spoken of his blood, we don't have the confidence. This blood that is better than the blood of Abel, the blood of God, the blood of the sinless God. If the blood of the sinless God who died for our sins, if we have his blood in us, we can't help but speak. We can't just stay still. So the character of Christians is we have to speak of this. Though we say, though we may say amen during service, but then don't say it throughout the rest of the week, do we truly have his blood in us? I believe that if you truly have the blood, then you can't help but speak. So even in the past as well, I would speak up about what's right. But especially after receiving the Holy Spirit, now I know what is truly right. And I know this because the Spirit testifies in me and enables me to speak. And if we don't speak of anything for days, months, or years about the blood of Jesus, then I'm sorry. Go somewhere else. Mind as well go to the temple. Because we must do it according to the Bible. There is nothing between me and God's relationship except the blood. It is a covenant made by blood. The story of the Bible is speaking of this blood. Jesus Christ died on the cross, pouring out all his blood, and he sits on the throne. And when he returns, does his body have the blood? When he returns, does he have the blood? No, there is no more blood because that blood is elsewhere. The one who testifies of the blood, the one who received the Holy Spirit and testifies of his blood, he will come and take them with him. The blood he shed will now be absorbed into himself again to become one's body. Hallelujah! So while we are on this earth, this sprinkle of blood that speaks a better word than Abel, let us testify of this blood. Even if we're labeled as a crazy Jesus freak, let us speak of his blood. Let us make this resolve. Whatever we do, it must be by blood. Even if praising or praying, without the blood, he will not receive it. And he will not receive our service without blood. So let us be those who give worship only by the blood. 